So if we keep thinking the same way and we keep expecting the same thing, we're going to continue to get the same results. And that really just our mindset around it alone can single-handedly be the thing that dictates, do we have success in what we really desire? Do we move forward and evolve and grow and embody something new? Or do we stay stuck in what we know and what's familiar? So our own mindset around it can have the strongest influence. Welcome to the Mastering Mindfulness Institute with me, Gina Warfel, a podcast that invites you on a journey to self-trust with your food and body so you can reclaim your health with confidence. As a registered dietitian who has multiple degrees in health and yet I was constantly at war with my body and couldn't trust myself with food, I've made it my mission to show you that coming into harmony with your food and body is all possible. I challenge conventional and outdated ways of dieting to show you how to step into sovereignty over your food choices and life. I can't wait to share with you the depths of my own journey, as well as thoughts from experts and real human beings on their journey, just like you. Thanks for listening. Hey, you guys, welcome back to the Mastering Mindfulness Institute podcast. Today, we're going to open up new possibility, expand what is possible for ourselves. I want to share how I found that my mental blocks around what I believed about myself was actually the thing that was keeping me stuck and how I help people in the Mastering Mindfulness Institute adjust their self-image to open up and expand into new possibility, whether it might be that you want a different relationship with yourself and your food, or maybe you want to step into new possibility with your health or even relationships or finances or whatever it is that you're working on. This core concept is what really helps make new possibility possible. And one of the things that really breaks my heart is when, uh, before people come into mastering mindfulness, I always talk with every person on a call first to see where they're at, what they desire, and if it's the right fit. And some people will sit on a call with me crying, sobbing about, I just, I want to feel at peace with my food. I want to feel confident with my health. I want to be able to change and get unstuck and they desire it so bad. But then sometimes the one thing that stops them is they're like, I'm just not sure if this is possible for me though. Or sometimes they even take the leap, but the thing that slows them down up front is I just don't know if anything else is possible. And I totally get it. It can be hard to believe if all that you've ever had is evidence of struggle within any area of life, whether it's your health or with dating and relationships or finances or whatever it is. If you've always struggled, it's hard to believe, well, maybe I am just this way. And we kind of like put that nail in the coffin of like, maybe this is what it is. And this is what I'm really just settling into and accepting. So um, it's hard if we can only see the challenge. Like all I've ever done is struggle with food or all I've ever done is fail at dieting. I start something, I get motivated and then I quit. Or the voice in my head is so loud and judgmental. How could I ever love myself? Or whatever insert whatever story it is that we have around based on the past, this is what's possible in the future. And while that can keep things predictable and feeling kind of safe, because we're like, well, now I can predict what's going to happen. I won't take any chances and disappoint myself. I don't want to let myself down. Right. So we don't take any chances, but then we end up staying stuck in what we've always got. So if we keep 
thinking the same way and we keep expecting the same thing, we're going to continue to get the same results. And that really just our mindset around it alone can single-handedly be the thing that dictates, do we have success in what we really desire? Do we move forward and evolve and grow and embody something new? Or do we stay stuck in what we know and what's familiar? So our own mindset around it can have the strongest influence. And I really felt this for myself when I was in this pattern of where I would get really motivated, do really good, whether I was counting calories or following some sort of rules or program or whatever it was, I would stay so focused. And then it was always the same thing again and again. At some point, I would like lose control, fully self-sabotage, and then go in all of this judgment, be really hard on myself and then start again. And I didn't know how to get out of those loops. So I really started to lock in this identity of like, what is wrong with you? Like something is wrong with you. And like, why don't you have any more discipline? You're not a person who has discipline or you're this, or you're not a good dietitian or whatever it was that I was locking in this identity because of my behavior. So my behavior was driving this deeper identity around what I believed to be true about myself. The challenge with that is our identity can be the strongest driver of our behavior, what we believe to be true about ourselves. So I didn't realize that I was taking my behavior. Oh, you go through these motivational loops and self-sabotage. You don't have discipline. You're this, you're that. And it was forming this identity and it was keeping me stuck in a box of what was possible for me because my identity was actually driving my behavior instead of the other way. It was kind of like, it's kind of like a loop. Your behavior then drives your identity, your identity turns back and drives your behavior. And so I had this huge, massive shift when I discovered the book, Psycho-Cybernetics. It's one of my favorite books, Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. And in this book, he says, a human being will always act in accordance to what he believes is true about himself and that your self-image defines what you can and cannot do. If you want to expand what is possible, you need to expand your self-image. And I was like, that's interesting. This is really, really hard for me to believe because I only have evidence of struggle. This is hard for me to let myself get excited about feeling empowered in my desires and new possibility and really believe it from an identity place and let myself do that. But he was making a really good case and he continued to prove again and again of how our own self-image drives our behavior. So then I started to think, okay, hmm, what if I flip this around? Instead of assessing all of my behaviors, and letting that determine my identity, what if I flipped it? What if I let go of focusing so much on my behaviors and I focus on my identity? I wonder what would happen. So in the book, he just says, this is a fundamental law of the mind. We act in accordance to what we believe is true about ourselves. When you change the self-image, behavior adjusts. It expands what's possible. And uh, Dr. Albert Edward Wiggum, he says, your mental picture of yourself is the strongest force within you. Whoa. The mental, your mental picture of yourself is the strongest force within you. 
and how incredible that we have this strong force that a lot of the time when we're changing our behavior, we don't even tap into. We're so focused on our behavior. Can I do it? Can I not? Am I doing the right thing, the wrong thing? Instead of focusing on our self-image, if we could focus on our self-image, the behavior will follow and then we expand what's really possible for us. It completely changes the game and it's one of the most overlooked opportunities that we have to make our shifts or transformations a lot easier. So if you think about how, let's say you want to change a habit, you want to change this behavior like, I want to eat healthier. I, I want to eat these healthy foods. But deep down, your self-image is like, yeah, but you always struggle with eating healthy. Now you're fighting this new behavior up against a self-image that doesn't match and it clashes. And they it tends to feel like this inner tug of war when you're making change. But if you change the self-image, I'm the type of person who takes care of themselves watch how behavior follows. If you woke up and believed I'm the kind of person who takes care of themselves. I'm the type of person who slows down and checks in with their body. What happens when we start to change from a self-image place? Does that change our behavior? And does it change with more flow and ease and less resistance and pushback? So we want to flip it around. We want to, instead of focusing on our behavior, determining our identity, we want to start with an identity piece and allow that to change our behavior. And so this is a really core component of what we do in the Mastering Mindfulness Institute. And it creates a lot of inner freedom. One of my students, um, I asked her at the end of the program, I said, what was the most impactful thing that you got out of this? And she said, I always identified with someone as I am an emotional eater who I am. I'm an emotional eater, but you showed me that sometimes emotional eating is something that I do when I need something. It's not my identity. It's not who I am. I'm using it during difficult times as a strategy. Now that opened up a whole world of new possibility. Now I can be more strategic with seeing when am I using this emotional eating as a strategy to get through a difficult time and how can I learn about that coping strategy instead of locking myself into this identity piece that this is who I am? I had another student who said, who I asked her the same thing, what was the biggest benefit that you got out of this? And she said, I always identified with a sugar addict. And after 30 years, I realized that I'm not. This is huge. This was just a strategy that I was using. It was a behavior. Now we can explore the behavior and see what influences the behavior versus this is who I am. And I think that that's what the I am piece is I think what gets people stuck in the first place and so apprehensive to even take the next step, to even say yes, because it's like, what if this is the truth? What if this is just who I am? And unfortunately it keeps us locked in a box. So what can be helpful is to know the difference between what is something that I am versus something that I'm not that has the ability to change. Um, Dr. Richard Schwartz, he says that all human beings are born with an authentic self or an essential self. It's kind of untarnished, I guess you can say, from our society, from our beliefs, our experiences. But we're born this like pure essential self. And it's very playful and it's curious and it's patient. And it's very like, it's very pure. And at the core of it, we all have this. And then our life experiences, 
will create coping mechanisms. So for example, if you were a child and you got in trouble because you did something wrong, maybe you were yelling and you were screaming in a public place and your mom was like, be quiet or you'll be in trouble. Now you might use judgment. I'm too loud. I better be quiet. You use that judgmental voice in your mind as a way to cope with your experience or as a way to um, get through your experience. So you might then learn to use judgment to be more appropriate. So judgment you weren't born with judgment. It's not who you are, that mean, critical voice. Babies aren't born with mean, critical voices. We learn to have this critical voice to help us adapt in the world. It might not be the most useful strategy that we have. There might be much more useful strategies like being kind and loving to ourselves. But let's say if you've always been really hard on yourself and you're like, I just beat myself up. I'm so mean and critical. Okay. That's not the core of who you are. It's just a strategy that you're using. Now, when you look at it through that lens, we can ask, is this the most helpful strategy? Is there a way that I can update this strategy and get what I'm trying to achieve in a more useful way? Or let's say that you, um, Maybe when you were growing up, you went through a really difficult period where you had a lot of big emotions and you needed comfort and you needed love or safety. Maybe a parent wasn't there to give you the nurturing that you needed. And now food became that love and that nurturing and that comfort and that safety. And that is what really played a valuable role for you. And then as an adult, if you um, continued with it, but then you're like, oh, shoot, I need to lose weight. I went to the doctor or the doctor told me I'm not healthy. Now you take away that food that's been programmed as being love, safety, comfort. It's going to feel really hard, like you're missing something. And so that inability to have discipline, that overeating or inability to have discipline, it's not who you are. It's a coping strategy to create safety, to create love. When we see it is that, we can now separate our identity and create new possibility. Okay, I am not an overeater. I am not a sugar addict. I am using food in different situations to help me through this time or to give me love or safety or security. That Now that allows us to free up new possibility. I wonder where I can create this internal safety. I wonder where I can give these things to myself and that might loosen up food's grip a little bit. So if I decide that I want to be healthier, or I want to have a better relationship with my food, it can in a way that um, doesn't make me question my own identity. Do I have willpower? Do I have discipline? Right? We need to get past those shallow layers of like, oh, you just can't do it. You don't have enough willpower. We need to go deeper and understand the difference that these are just strategies. It's not an identity piece. So if it's been hard for you to even consider opening up new possibility, consider this, that we are all, babies are not born with um, issues with food. We, we develop that, right? Or a certain relationship. I don't even like the word issues, but babies aren't born with a particular relationship to food that gets created from our own experience. We learn food is love, food is safety. Food gives me comfort when I didn't have it. So now that lets us know it's just a strategy. It's not who I am. And that opens up so much new possibility for being able to make a change and step into something different. So really get clear. What's the difference between the core of who I am and a strategy that I'm using? Ah, now we're opening up new possibility here. Okay. Really think about the power of these I am statements. Where do you lock yourself and pigeonhole yourself into an I am? I am 
da, 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 whatever the story has been and flip the story to I'm learning how to be more mindful. I check in, I'm learning how to check in with my body. I am a person who takes care of themselves and you begin doing it. I'm a person who, um, what, whatever you want to start to evolve your identity into, let it be a fun and playful evolution. So when we're looking at creating and expanding our identity, we want to create these empowering statements. Now, let's just say, for example, you want to get healthier or you, you desire to lose weight or whatever it is. You don't want to focus on making an identity like I'm the kind of person who loses 20 pounds, right? That's a, that's a side effect. Go more core. I'm the kind of person who listens to their body, who likes to eat nourishing foods, who is patient, who tunes in, who is calm, who is curious about their experience. What are these, what are these things that can help support a positive behavior? And so this doesn't have to be something that we get stressed about and like, oh no, what if I do it or don't do it? Don't make it. So for example, let's say you're, you don't want to make an identity that's like, I'm the kind of person who goes to the gym every day. You could, but then if for one day, like will probably happen, you don't make it to the gym. You're like, shoot, my identity isn't true. I knew you would always do that. You lied to yourself, right? We want to empower ourselves. So maybe you say, I'm the kind of person who checks in and takes care of their body. And you're like checking in and you're making a point to notice what does my body need? Does it need the gym today? Does it need rest? Does it need walking? Like maybe it needs a day off or whatever it is, but you're starting to cultivate an identity that really feels supportive to you. So this is how I started doing it. I started getting really clear and unafraid of where I was moving towards. It's hard to hit a target if you can't really see it. Let's say if you were going to go and take a trip somewhere and you knew exactly all the stops where the plane had to go, where you were going to go next, how to get to very detailed directions, make a left here or right here, exactly where you want to go and how you're going to get there, where you're going to land to. You're going to have a lot of clarity and how am I going to get to my destination and what does it really look like? Now, if you're just like, I'm just going to go somewhere, let's see what happens. You're going to be in for a big surprise. You might not know what you're going to get. You might end up in Ohio for vacation. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> I'm from Michigan. So, um, so it's something to think about that, like not being afraid of getting clear on like, how do I let my brain know this is what we desire? This is what we're landing on. And then when it clicks and we feel it, we experience it, we're like, yes, this is what I'm landing on and letting ourselves get excited about that evolution. So I would start getting really clear. I actually, darn, I wish I had it here with me, but I wrote in one of my old journals, I wrote down, I am, and I wrote it as it's true as it's now. And I put it pen to paper. She or actually wrote it as she, she checks in with her body. She sits down at a table and feels grateful for her food. She sees all these beautiful nourishing foods. She loves to nourish her body. She eats slowly and mindfully. She's patient. She loves to dance. She loves to wear flowy clothes. And I could start to craft this self-image of like, wow, where, where am I growing into this new identity that I'm stepping into? So once I could clearly see how my self-image was evolving, I thought about this book, Psycho-Cybernetics, where he says, mental practice helps to make perfect. And he talks about in this book, 
He talks about a group of basketball players. They did a study from, it was published called Research Quarterly, where they looked at a basketball team and the first group practiced for 20 minutes a day and they improved by 24%. The second group had no practice and they had no improvement. The third group used their imagination and they improved their score by 23%. So this shows the power of using our mental image imagery to be able to practice to do the correct thing. So I started doing this with my own health and with my own behaviors and habits and my self image. And I would start visualizing and seeing myself doing what I determined was the correct thing. And it was really like giving my mind this mental practice to create new neural networks, to get familiar with it, to feel it in my body and really attach emotion to it. What does it feel like to be a mindful eater, to be slow, to tune in, to nourish my body, to take care of it? And I loved seeing it, making it a vivid picture, meditating with it, feeling it in my body and allowing not too much focus on the behavior, but more focusing on my self-image. I'm the kind of person who does this, who listens, who's patient, who's curious. And I could start to see my self-image evolve. And I do truly feel like this was a big turning point for me to start seeing myself as different and to stop being so focused on you can't do this, you can't do that, and creating this limitation and this defined box of what was possible for myself. When I expanded my self-image, I was able to expand into a whole new possibility. And now it's one of the core foundational things that I teach. We must be able to see what we desire, not be afraid of it feel it in our bodies, see it, experience it, so that as we're going through, we can have this powerful driver behind us, this mental force of our self-image of new possibility and not be limited based on the challenges that we've had before. Of course, we're going to have challenges. One thing I will say that is important is if you want to get new results, we do have to think and do things differently. It's hard to get new results if we keep doing the same form of like a diet again and again and again, and we want to believe that there's new possibility. Like, I want to believe I can do different, but I just keep doing a repeat of like the same thing. I personally don't think that it works to restrict or count calories or count macros and go into full empowerment and freedom that most people really want. I think for most people, if you repeat those same type of styles of eating of like restriction or counting or numbers or not trusting your body, you don't actually take action on creating that self-trust. So it is important that if you are stuck in those same loops of the same thing again and again, maybe it's not who you are that you lack discipline, but maybe there's a strategy issue. Maybe there's a new approach that's ready to be had. For me, I didn't really I never really stepped into like the health that I really wanted to until I learned more about how to trust myself and my body and my cravings. So sometimes it's not so much about, you might be like, well, yeah, I want to believe that there's new possibility, but how can I, when I've always just failed? And I want to ask, are you doing something proactive to do something different? Or are you just thinking, oh, this just needs to change. This just needs to change. This needs to change, but there hasn't been a proactive step, or maybe you haven't found the right thing yet. That is what will work for you. So that's really important to keep in mind. We don't want to let ourselves get stuck on um, what's possible based on the same repeated patterns of like, well, nothing will work for me because I tried keto. I tried Weight Watchers. I tried insert X diet that didn't get down to the core root of like 
but why do you have cravings? Why do you self-sabotage? Why do you believe that nothing else is possible? These deeper things that I think influence our success more than did I eat the healthy food or did I not? So we got to go a little bit deeper, but I hope today's conversation opened up new possibility. Remember that uh, some of the core things that we said today is that the self-image sets the boundaries of individual accomplishment. It defines what you can and cannot do. So if you want to expand what's possible, we want to expand the self-image. So I want to encourage you today to write down some ways that maybe these limiting self-image beliefs come up based on what we talked about today. And how can we adjust that self-image to something that's supportive and empowering? And don't worry so much about the behaviors. Focus on that self-image, meditate on it, visualize it, feel it, and watch how you become it. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you guys next time.